It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. Last week, if you happen to catch the broadcast, we were talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet. Why? Well, it's because we've had some headlines as of late covering some major activity going on in the Middle East. So to help me cover what we have before us today as we examine these Middle Eastern countries, Dr. Steve Ford is back here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's it's great to be able to continue this conversation. Indeed. There's just so many good things that we get to cover today. And we've been talking about the countries that are involved in end times prophecy. Mm-hmm. One of those countries that we haven't talked about yet is Turkey. And we see Turkey making the news these days. In fact, uh, the Ukraine is turning to Turkey as Russian threatens full-scale war. Yeah, so there's right. a lot There's a lot going on there. Uh, in fact, the Ukrainian president recently visited Istanbul just last week to mark the 10th anniversary of his country's strategic partnership with Turkey and shore up support from his Black Sea neighbor as tensions escalate with Russia. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions I had is, what what role does Turkey play in major Bible prophecy? That's right. You know, these uh, it's a great question because we find it throughout Scripture, if we really just examine it, read it for ourselves, I think that's really our heart here for Engage in Truth, is that we can talk about these things, examine it, Uh, verse by verse, but our hope is that the listener will do that as well, right? That that as you're listening to this broadcast, you will be intrigued by what you hear today and and throughout all of these series that we've gone through here on Engage in Truth. And if you've missed prior broadcasts, for example, as I just mentioned, we cover a little bit about the Antichrist and False Prophet last week in talking about the activities in the Middle East. Had had you had the opportunity to listen to that? I hope you were blessed. If you missed it, go to calvaryfountain.com and you can listen there. Once again, share it with friends and family alike. Get the word out. But ultimately, we want you to study God's word for yourself. And so let me just give you a few bullet points here as we look at these Middle Eastern countries and how they're actually cited quite clearly in Scripture. And sometimes there's just clues that are given in Scripture. And we've talked a great deal about this as we examine the book of Revelation. And we put together this resource called Revelation Unraveling the Mysteries. And in that study, we wanted to give the breadcrumbs a bit. Here are some clues that highlight some of the nations and some of the very forthright details about this city in this location, and it's hard to miss. That is clearly that particular nation as it is today. However, there's some clues related to Turkey. Let me go through those with you because it's important to understand the role of the Antichrist in this is potentially the king of the north, the Assyrian king of the north. And when you look at the nation of Assyria, uh, that nation of old really originated out of the country we call today as Turkey. And it incorporated a number of other territories as well, partial uh, areas within Syria and Iraq and even just a sliver of Iran uh, down through even Lebanon. It was the Assyrian nation that came against the uh, 10 tribes of the north in Israel and scattered them. It was the tribe, the, the nation of Babylon then out of Iran that came against the southern tribes of Israel with Judah and Benjamin. And so there's a lot of history with these nations. Let me just highlight the few bullet points for you of the nation of Turkey. And sometimes it's just a clue. Now you can look at the colors of soldiers or the right. type of weaponry and, and you go, okay, well, let's look at our history books. So let me just take you through some of the bullet points. 
in the book of Revelation, right out of the gate, and this is our roadmap as book of Revelation, we examine all 18 prophetic books, but in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there are seven churches that are highlighted there. They're all in modern-day right. Turkey, right. okay? So right out of the gate, we're given a, a, a footprint of, let me take you to Turkey, this bridge <laughs> between Gog and Magog down into Israel, and it's not a Muslim nation technically, right? Or Arab, let's say that, not an Arab nation. It is predominantly Muslim. Mm -hmm used to be very predominantly Christian. In fact, the, right. the name Christian, that title, uh, follower of Christ, came from Antioch, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of history in Turkey. A lot of battles have been fought in that area over, uh, even as the Ottoman Empire would sure. emerge out of Turkey and make its way into Europe and the, and the Crusades it would That's follow, right. and the Ottoman Empire that would uh, pull together all the nations around modern-day Israel. So going back to the, the clues here, the breadcrumbs, we've got Turkey highlighted clearly right out of the beginning of the book of Revelation, seven churches there. We're told that Satan's throne is in Pergamos, which is in modern-day Turkey, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. And this area also fits the model where Gog is located. It's a potential place where the king of the locust army will reside in Amos chapter 7, verse 1. An army is given power to inflict the people of the earth for five months in Revelation chapter 9. Now, this might be a stretch but it's one of the clues that I picked up on, and I, I suspect others have as well. This could be a correlation because of the Ark of Noah, Noah's Ark that rested there in Mount Ararat in modern-day Turkey. For a span of five months, we, we look to the waters that prevailed on the earth in Genesis chapter 7, verse 24, and Genesis 8, 3. Now, they were on the boat for much longer than that, well over a year. Right. But it was five months in which that span of time, the waters prevailed over the earth. There, again, possibly another clue to Turkey that um, from Revelation chapter 9. There's also a meteorite judgment in Revelation 8. And it's interesting because I find that throughout Scripture, God often uses judgments that strike at the objects of worship. We look to the plagues upon Egypt in Exodus 7 to 11, and each one of those seemed to strike at the false gods that they were worshiping. And the reason why I bring up the, the meteorite judgment of Revelation chapter 8 is because when we turn our attention then uh, to the Muslim faith, and this isn't just specifically Turkey, but the Muslim faith at the Kaaba, at the center of Mecca, it, it, the worship of Islam in, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, on the side of that uh, that that structure, there, there there's a Kaaba stone, is what it's called, and we believe it to be a black meteorite. Very interesting. Uh, the Muslims are are stating that only the Mahdi can bring peace to allow the Jews to rebuild the temple, and the actions of the Mahdi, according to the Quran and the Hadith or the Sunnah, all align with the actions of the Antichrist, as we talked about last week, according to Scripture. And the Antichrist will allow the Jews to rebuild a temple. But he will desecrate it, according to Daniel 9.27, right in the middle of a seven-year treaty that has been put together. He'll, he'll break that treaty, and he goes in and desecrates the temple and calls himself to be a god. This is the action of another Assyrian king of the north, uh, who also came and did the same right, right. thing uh, over 2,000 years ago. Uh, now, we also look at some of the other clues. Uh, for example, uh, there is a 200 million soldier army that's wearing the colors 
of fiery red, Hasith blue, sulfur yellow, and Revelation 9, 17 to 19. Ironically, when we look at the history books, uh, those colors were used by the Ottoman Empire from 1299 to 1877 and then used in various military fashions until the end of the Ottoman Empire in 1918. Okay, we're not even, right, just a yeah. little over 100 That's years right, ago, ago, those colors ceased to be used by the Ottoman Empire and its collapse. Where is the Ottoman Empire? Out of Turkey, right. right? So it became the head out of Istanbul, Turkey, of all places. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Uh, so the weapons of this mighty army are described in Revelation 9.18. A third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which comes out of their mouths in Revelation 9.18. Well, another clue that's given to us there is that when the Ottomans overtook Constantinople in 1453, they used these cannons called Dardanelles, and they were huge cannons. They were so big, they required 60 oxen to move them. And these cannons were characterized by, listen to this, the historians called it, fire, smoke, and brimstone. <laughs> and they brought upon their adversaries huge, oppressive firepower that had not been seen. So the fall of the Roman capital city was first recorded to be the, well, if you will, the first city by uh, taken by overwhelming fire, smoke, and brimstone from enemy artillery, not by supernatural means, such as what we see in Sodom and Gomorrah, right. but something historically that was attributed to the Ottoman Empire of a type of weaponry that they used. Now we have a group of people that are leaving the servants of God dead in the street for three and a half days as they give gifts to celebrate their death in Revelation 11, 7 to 11, which may align with the Muslim celebration of Eid al-Fatur. We've talked a little bit about that. But getting back to Turkey, we have this nation that's made of clay and iron. Okay, now that's an interesting one. Clay may be symbolic of the turba. Where do we get this clay and iron? You remember the statue in Daniel chapter 2, verse 33, which its feet are mixed with clay and iron. So it seems to be built on the iron of what was the Roman Empire, but it's not the Roman Empire, and clay seems to be holding it together, showing that it's very brittle in its union. It's not the solidarity of the mm -hmm. Roman Empire. Uh, so there, there's a there's a balance there of showing that this is a fragile empire, but it also may symbolize that this is something that's coming out of the former territory of the Roman right. Empire, which Istanbul, Turkey, was formerly Constantinople, the capital city of the Roman Empire. So when people pledge allegiance to Allah, they put their face down into clay right. of all things, and, and this is what's symbolic of the, the turba. So that clay mixed with iron shows another kingdom on the on the foundations of the old Roman Empire, but something else, yeah. something else that's emerged out of it. Uh, the kingdom is, is uh, led by a city. There's a city that sort of embodies this entire kingdom uh, on seven hills, seven mountains in Revelation 17, 9. And that seems to be, as I mentioned, formed out of the fragments of the old Roman Empire. But that city seems to represent what we could possibly depict here is Constantinople, right? Istanbul, Turkey. Right. It's a city on seven hills that was formerly the capital of the Roman Empire. And you look at Daniel 7, 11 and Revelation 13 and 17 on that. Uh, almost through here, give you a few more. Uh, the Antichrist future kingdom will have its foundations established out of the battle between the Medes and Persians and the Greeks, according to Daniel chapter 8. Okay, now that future kingdom that was built on that foundation is headquartered in modern-day Turkey. 
All right, so the kingdom of the Antichrist would stop sacrifices and desecrate the temple, and Christ said that this would happen just as it happened before, and we read about that in Daniel 8 and 11, and Christ citing it again in Matthew chapter 24. So the nation that executed this heinous act was the Assyrian nation of the modern-day nation known as Turkey. So the Antichrist is called the Assyrian king of the north in Daniel 11, Isaiah 10, and Micah chapter 5. Then we have the kingdom of the Antichrist will behead those that do not follow this system, the system known as the beast, this empire, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. And and if you just look at what happens right now throughout the Middle East, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia executes 200 people per year by beheading. Iran, over 1,000. Pakistan, 315 and counting every year. So the nations under Islam are quite familiar with beheadings. And then we see Revelation 17 and Daniel 7. They tell us that the beast is made up of seven kings or kingdoms with 10 kings and kingdoms who support the beast and are given power for one hour. So the Antichrist is the seventh and also the eighth. That part is very confusing Mm -hmm. when Scripture tells us that. And we look to Revelation and Daniel on that. He's the seventh, but also the eighth. That's highlighted in Revelation specifically. So there have been seven caliphates, interestingly enough. The seventh was the Ottoman Empire And Turkey, under President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, was recently called for a new caliphate to form in order to unite the Muslim nations. Now, those comments were made uh, very profoundly as he just spoke boldly about his intent to revive the Ottoman Empire, not form a new empire, but rather to revive one that was formerly dead to bring it back to life again, a seventh, but also an eighth. Right. Right. And and he spoke on that uh, clearly in March uh, of 2017 through June of 2017, a number of articles. In fact, Fox News writer Ralph Peters, who's a retired U.S. Army officer, had this to say. He said, it's coming in Turkey. Convinced that history has no relevance, those same self-deluded Western leaders and diplomats refused to recognize President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's vision for his Turkey. He dreams not only of neo-Ottoman glory, but of a caliphate reborn and led by a Turkish leader. Might anyone venture a guess as to what this candidate might be? (laughs) Essentially, the sultan and caliph both would be back on a Turkish throne. Today, Istanbul. Tomorrow, the world. All right. So he sees the writing clearly. That's just captured a little bit about the nation of Turkey, as well as the the spirit of darkness, right? This, this system of the beast, this, this oppressive religious order that brings about this desire to oppress all that stand against it and its efforts to unite Gog and Magog and all of the former Ottoman Empire against the nation of Israel and all of its allies. So that's just a, a little bit of the clues regarding that. And I know we've got some other nations to cover too in our short time together. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fascinating the way you connect the dots like that and how much biblical history, non-biblical history that the Turkey has really been in the center of. It has. We don't really hear that much about, at least I haven't heard that much about Turkey in regards to eschatology as I've listened to different speakers. Right. I haven't heard it come up as, as much as some other countries. So yeah. I think it's great that you're expounding on this and, like I said, connecting the dots for us and helping us see the evidence in the book of Revelation for the possible involvement of Turkey in the last days. Oh, we're not even scratching the surface. If uh, if our leader, or our re- excuse me, those who are listening right now, is your uh, maybe you've just we've piqued your interest just a little bit, and you want more? Uh, we have put together the book Revelation: Unraveling the Mysteries at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can reach out to us at calvaryfountain.com. 
And we can provide you a lot more than even what we just scratched the surface on right there, because it's amazing the the deep history, especially Daniel chapter 11, and highlighting what we can look to the history books of the previous battle of Armageddon in 1918. Right. Uh, we know that there, the Lord seems to give us a glimpses of future events by an historical yeah. event, saying, you saw it happen then, it will happen even bigger again in the future. Learn from your history, right, right. know that I am moving and, and and being alive in 2021, we can now look at the history books and go, wow, look how this is all played out step by step, exactly how scripture said it would. And it's giving us more evidence to, to be on alert uh, for how that partnership between Gog and Magog, as we look to Turkey and their alliance with Germany and Russia right. over the many years, yeah. over the last century and beyond, right. NATO it's and nothing that. new. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. It reminds me of the Ronald Reagan quip that... History teaches that people don't learn from history. So we don't want to be we don't want to be part of that. We want to be cognizant of everything that you're saying and keep our eyes wide open with a historical perspective That's right. in what's happening over there today. And as as we talk about that, another major player over there is Saudi Arabia. That's right. What do we see in regards to Saudi Arabia as far as prophecy goes? Yeah, again, the all of these nations are covered in great detail. Uh, we, sometimes we just got to pick up the Bible and read. I'd say all the time, not just sometimes. Let's just be students in the Word. But in Psalm 83, there are 10 nations listed that will stand with the kingdom of the Antichrist. And they're all the nations that were once under the Ottoman Empire rule. So in Psalm 83, we see the nations of Turkey, Jordan, Lebanon, Gaza, West Bank, Egypt, Syria, Iraq, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Iran in this unholy union against Israel. Now, it's interesting that these nations are also mentioned in detail in the book of Isaiah as those singled out for their assault on Israel, perhaps uh, even highlighted in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 into 39. Let me give you some uh, clues to that as well. Isaiah 14 talks about Assyria that we just discussed of the land of Turkey and northern parts of Syria into Lebanon and uh, even into Iran and some of those areas. Uh, so we have Isaiah 14, the Philistines covered in Isaiah 14, the Moabites, which is parts of modern-day Jordan in Isaiah 15, Syria in Isaiah 17, Cush, which is northern Africa in Isaiah 18, Egypt sp specifically, Isaiah 19, Babylon, Isaiah 21, which we would see as, as Iraq, uh, Edom. Now, that's an interesting one because Eden is featured, highlighted in Isaiah chapter 21, and that incorporates Jordan and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Now, when you ask people who live in that region to read these texts, it is quite clear to them what's being referred to. We in the Western mindset struggle, right? We, we try to plug in other figures into this. For years, we talked about the role of Catholicism or, or the revived uh, Roman Empire or other forces that might be around the world. And as you read the book of Revelation, you see that the rest of the world has its own problems to deal with. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a great deal of focus back on these nations that surround Israel, a union formed against Israel that bookend those seven years, a battle that seems to start the need for a peace treaty, and another battle that culminates in the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, and that's where we see, read that in Ezekiel, of course, in, in the book of Revelation as well. But uh, Waldi Shobat, he was a former Palestinian Liberation Organization terrorist who was born in the West Bank and converted to Christianity, leaving Islam behind. 
He's now written a number of books, and he he reads this, and to him it was absolutely clear who Mystery Babylon the Great was, right? We have heard all the stories of, is this a, the United States of America? Is this an actual revived Babylonian empire that, that right there is, is, we saw with Saddam Hussein trying to rebuild Babylon, is this a revival there? Uh, but he says in Isaiah 21.9, as he reads this, that this was a prophetic oracle against Babylon using the same announcement in Revelation chapter 18.1-2 and Revelation 14.8, that Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And when he reads Isaiah chapter 21, he reads cities like Duma, Arabia, Kedar, and all he sees there is that this is in Arabia, which they believe will be destroyed by Iran. And that's what we read as Elam in Isaiah 21.2. And so he sees it as none other, none other than Saudi Arabia, that Iran being used to come against Saudi Arabia. We'll talk a little bit about that. We may not be able to cover it in today's show. Uh, but history records reveal that the worship of Ishtar uh, or, or the queen of harlots originated in Arabia, not Rome. Ishtar was also known as Semiramis, the wife of Nimrod. In fact, when Muslims circle the black stone, it's a throwback to the worship of Ishtar, who they also called Ahtar or Alat, the wife of Allah. So everything that the harlot is described as fits that Kaaba wow. there in Saudi Arabia, that she is dressed with pearls, jewels, gold, silver, even blasphemes, blasphemies to God that are etched in silver threads and golden inlays all across the attire of that black Kaaba stone. Just the doors of the Kaaba have 280 kilograms of pure gold on it. So the reference to the prostitute in Revelation 17 is the harlot of Babylon. They see is none other than the woman, the harlot, who's arrayed in purple and scarlet color of the black Kaaba stone of the Kaaba in Saudi Arabia, which historically was dedicated to Aphrodite, the prostitute goddess so the goddess adorned in purple is the similar description that is of Revelation 17.4, which the Kaaba has scarlet-colored inner garments around this stone that represents the wife of Allah. So it's, I mean, when they read Isaiah chapter 21, they see destruction upon Saudi Arabia, specifically Qadar, Tima, uh, Dadan, Duma. They see Yathrib, which is Medina, all in this area which is Saudi Arabia today. Now, Duma was one of the sons of Ishmael in association with Edom. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 21, verse 11. So all Arabia, including the glory of Kader, which is Mecca, will be destroyed even according to their own eschatology. Here's what scripture says in Isaiah 13, 20. No Arab will pitch his tent there. No shepherd will rest his flocks there. Then we have this correlation to the Red Sea that's highlighted in prophecy, that the earth shakes at the noise of their fall, at the cry, its noise is heard even at the Red Sea. So Jeremiah 49 is then speaking of Edom, which is primarily located in today's modern-day Jordan, but in Ezekiel 25, Edom stretched to Teman, which is Yemen, and Dadan, which is down in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So greater Edom included all the west coast of the Arabian Peninsula, and that's just scratching the surface. So we see a lot of reference to Saudi Arabia, specifically what we might be able to get into, because here we're out of time today. Wow. 
Yes. We may be able to cover <laughs> even next week a little bit more about how Saudi Arabia fits within the eschatology of Islam. Because even according to their own eschatology, Saudi Arabia will fall. That's not just a biblical concept. Right. That's an Islamic concept as well, which is why they're trying to hang on to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Because even according to their own prophecies, all of their worship will relocate to Jerusalem right. where the Mahdi will make his throne. Right. right. So, I mean, it's the exact photo negative of what the Bible is warning us That's about, right. of this religious group that came about 700 years after the warnings in the Gospel of Matthew and the book right. of Revelation. So this is giving us step-by-step, step, we look at them both side-by-side side and sure. we see this is pretty clear of what is about to take place. So I know we've got a lot to cover. We'll yeah. talk more about it next week, I believe. So oh, yeah. Thank you, as always, Dr. Ford. Yeah, this Dr. is Ford. so great. It goes by so quickly. It's like, no, we don't want to stop. This has been wonderful, John. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, I, I think we just need to go for a couple hours right, straight, so right? <laughs> um, so again, if you've just been intrigued at all by what you've heard, if you missed last week's broadcast, this is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and this is a wonderful opportunity for us to go just into the detail of God's Holy Word, examine how Things even align with the headlines today, not to plug the headline into scripture, but to understand what we're reading and how this was already foreseen for many, many years, even over 2,000 years or beyond. The Lord has given us clues. Look for these things, but understand that although we may look to the evidence of these things, we have our job to do. We are to go out with the gospel message, present the truth of Jesus Christ, not get so caught up in all the headlines, but rather to be aware of what's going on around us, not taken by surprise from it, but rather to be noticeable that, that God is coming with Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is bringing his throne and the bride had better be ready. Uh, God rules in the affairs of men even today, but there is something awesome that is about to happen with the millennial kingdom forthcoming. I mean, it is on the horizon. So we're very excited by that, and we hope you are too. To learn more, check us out at calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we would love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.